What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. You're listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast with contributors from MLSMultiplex.com. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the MLS Multiplex Podcast. Per usual, it is Drew here with Josh and Connor to talk all things in the crazy fun world of Major League Soccer as it happens. Because even though it is in the offseason... MLS news does not stop, so we're here with another episode to talk about the crazy week in MLS. But before we get into the crazy week of MLS, I imagine you guys had some crazy weeks yourselves. Maybe crazy, maybe not. I don't know. But uh, Josh, how was your week before we get into talking? It was pretty good. I ended up teaching a lot this week, so a little bit of a return to normalcy for me, as normal as it can be, I guess. Um been playing a lot of chess in the last week as well i am so terrible i haven't won a single game i've played about a dozen at this point so it's not been going good i'm gonna have to start reading up on some chess strategy or something but that's uh it's probably been the most interesting things to happen for me this week but uh overall pretty good connor how was your week could be worse could be better at the same time, but we like to focus on the positive here, or pretend to, uh, when in reality we just focus on the negative the entire time. Uh, but today was kind of a big day in Canada, and it's a brilliant corporate, uh, I guess, event that they sort of put on uh, each year. Campaign is probably a better word for it. Uh, but today was Bell Let's Talk Day, which if you are not Canadian, you'll have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, but quick lowdown, there's a telecommunications company called Bell, uh, up in Canada. And each year they put on a campaign called Bell Let's Talk, which is trying to raise awareness about mental health, uh, sort of reduce the stigma around mental health and really create more of a conversation around just daily discussions about dealing with mental health and everything that has to do with that. And I wanted to give them a, a quick shout out and give the entire campaign a quick shout out because they raise a lot of money. And by the time you're listening to this, it will have been probably two days ago. Uh, but I still think it's important to highlight mental health and everything that goes along with that. Like I've had my issues. I got anxiety. Um, I've said this before, I think on the podcast, but like in second year, first semester, uh, my anxiety was so bad. I was taking two gravel and a Pepto-Bismol before I left my house every day because I was so sick to my stomach. Um, but I, again, this 
isn't a unique situation. Everybody deals with it. Uh, I edit the Staff and Graph podcast, which shameless plug, uh, and both of them have spoken. Rachel and Mike, who are the hosts, Rachel, who we had in the podcast back in December, have been very open about their mental health struggles as well. So I'd recommend going and listening to their latest podcast to sort of hear a bit about how what they've dealt with and sort of how they've adjusted and everything around that. Uh, and Chris Johnson's on the podcast too. So that's an added incentive if you're into hockey because he's a great insider and dropped a pretty big bomb that we did not expect. Uh, but yeah, I just I wanted to highlight that. I don't know if either of you want to add anything, but first I'll uh, ask Drew because we haven't gotten to you yet. How was your week and how are you doing? It was good. Yeah, um, school's in full swing, so that's fun. Um, yeah, going back to the Bell Let's Talk thing, that was good to see. Um, I follow the Canucks on Twitter, so and I think the Whitecaps even did some stuff too. So that was really cool seeing NHL teams. I imagine Toronto Raptors, Maple. Um, Blue Jays, Maple Leafs, the whole nine yards did that, so that's really good. Um, but besides that, yeah, it's been school as normal. The Hawks have been all right, not too bad, getting better, getting better. Um, uh, oh, DeAndre Hunter is like the man right now, him, Cam Reddish, and Clint Capella. Oh my goodness, that man. If Clint Capella um, so could chill, that'd be great for John Collins. Thank you. You picked the wrong guy. Like, dude gets like 15 rebounds. I know, I did. God, I should have taken Clint Capella. Eh, whatever. Uh, I think everyone in fantasy basketball. I, I don't have Clint Capella, and I'm winning the league right now, and I still wish I had Clint Capella. Nice. But the Canucks, speaking of hockey, the Canucks are doing good. They're playing a really bad team. Um, For context, Josh, it's like the Braves constantly playing the Miami Marlins. <laughs> but before the Marlins were accidentally good that one time this year. So that's been a lot of fun. Um. But what was really fun this weekend was European soccer. There was specifically one game that was the best game of the weekend, in my opinion, which we'll talk about more. But leading up to it, our normal North Americans abroad. Uh, Tyler Adams scored his first Bundesliga goal for Leipzig against Mainz. Mainz, they lost, though. Um, Leipzig lost 3-2. to two. Josh Sargent scored, which I feel like we haven't talked about a lot. Lately, he scored in a 4-1 win. So not only did he score, but they won. Brendan Ribbon won. That doesn't happen a whole lot. Um, Weston McKinney scored again. Classic. Uh, Euro Wizard Weston. I think Josh is a big Harry Potter fan. I have not seen the movies or read the books. Oh my God. Uh, I, I'm Lord of the Rings on that front. Why, why not all? Why not you're all? Bo- you're both nerds. And that's coming oh, come from on. me. Dude, Lord of the Rings is so good. I see the friend that I was talking to about the stock stuff. We were having a conversation about Lord of the Rings earlier. So oh my no, God. I put I put the wizard thing in there because he did the wizard celebration. He did, yeah, the celebration. Yeah, I didn't know he was a Harry Potter fan, and then that happened, and he like tweeted out like I guess the secrets out of the back. It's now. easier just to just assume that everybody's a Harry Potter fan. I feel like he he, he is our age, so that probably has something to do with that's it. That's wild. If you grow up, well, he's actually probably younger than he's younger than Josh. Yeah, well, you said our age, uh, and I was like, he's not. I was like, <laughs> how old is he? He's probably like, older than us. Uh, well, he's in between. Or, or, he's kind he's of in between. Me. Yeah, he's like a like a year ahead of you guys. I think a couple behind me. Man, I wish I wish I was playing midfield for Juventus under Andre Pirlo. I think a lot of people <laughs> wish they were doing that. Um, the same way I think a lot of people wish they'd bought GameStop uh, stop or whatever at <laughs> three dollars, which a friend of mine sold his at ten. Uh-huh. So he's not feeling very good right now. Um, but 
yeah, it's just, dude, they, you're North Europeans, North Americans continue to tear up Europe, tear up. Yeah. Tear up Europe. God, I can't speak. Um, it's crazy. I didn't even know Weston McKinney scores, to be completely honest. Um, I knew Brandon Aronson had scored uh, or gotten an assist, which I guess is technically scoring a point. I'll count it. I don't know. I'm, I come from a hockey background. You get it. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> first start for RB Leipzig. RB Leipzig. I am just. So I'll go ahead and take over. Wow. So, <laughs> wow. It is not my day. I edited a podcast before this that took like three hours. So I'll use that as an excuse, even though it isn't. Oof. So speaking of all of these North Americans scoring, I actually, like, you know, I went through and did this part of the document. I actually forgot about Aronson's assist, and I already had pretty much the rest of it filled out. So you're right. These North American kids, specifically the Americans this past weekend, they're absolutely tearing it up. But uh, the only other big news before Drew talks about his favorite game of the weekend, I already know what he's going to talk about, but Frank Lampard was, of course, fired by Chelsea. Weird. I feel like Chelsea never fire their managers, you know? Sarcasm. Um, But this does have an effect possibly on an American, Christian Pulisic, most notably because Thomas Tuchel is now Chelsea's new manager and he coached Pulisic at Dortmund. Pulisic was on the bench in Tuchel's first game. So definitely curious on how that might have an effect. Drew, as the other United States citizen on this podcast, do you have any thoughts, any worries, feelings on a coaching change for Pulisic's squad? Not really. I mean, from what I have seen, it seems like they get along pretty well from photos of Dortmund. And then I think he even the manager had a quote about keeping Pulisic out. Um, I don't remember the exact thing, but I feel like it's still like a solid relationship right now. Again, you don't know. There's not a whole lot to tell from right now. It was a nil-nil draw to Wolves, I think, his first game. Um... So I don't have a whole lot of takes on it, except that everything I've seen is that they have a good relationship, and obviously that connection to Dortmund, I think, might be big as well. But not a whole lot of thoughts yet. Um, again, I think if we consistently start to see Pulisic on the bench or not coming on the field at all, really, then that might start to raise some questions. But from what I've seen, they have a good relationship, so I'm not too concerned about it right now. Um, personally, I, I don't know how I feel about Lampard being fired in a general sense. Um, Chelsea's kind of a dumpster fire right now. I think we've talked about that a lot. Um, I don't, it seems like the Chelsea fan base isn't happy with this. I think maybe because of the history he has at the club, but I'm not, nothing too concerning about, uh, Pulisic right now because one game and it seems like they have a good relationship. Connor, do you have any thoughts from the outside looking in at how this, a change at such a big club like Chelsea might harm Pulisic's playing time or will it help Pulisic's playing time? I don't have many thoughts. I think I saw that Mason Mount was not being included in their lineup for like his first game so that'll probably help uh with him not getting any minutes over Pulisic uh but that's sort of where my knowledge ends because I haven't been very tapped into the European sphere uh apart from seeing Brendan Aronson (laughs) getting that assist which I haven't even physically seen Uh, I just saw tweets and stuff but yeah I don't have many thoughts about Tuchel and Lampard and all that stuff Back to Aronson for a second. Nothing incredible. He literally just like 
he he was like kind of towards the edge of the box, like back past like three yards to a teammate, and then the teammate scored from outside the box. So if we're like assigning a percentage of who's responsible for the goal, Aronson gets a very he got one hundred percentage. He got one hundred percent of it. <laughs> yeah, he got all credit. He somehow assisted and scored that goal. Um, but back to the real quick to to Lampard being gone, and now Tuchel with Pulisic. The only thing I really remember about Tuchel's time with uh, Pulisic at Dortmund is that's when uh, Pulisic really started to lose his playing time, his consistent playing time. But I think that was more because of Jaden Sancho than it was Tuchel benching Pulisic. So definitely interested to see how that goes. But Drew, talk to us about your favorite Premier League of the weekend, a game that I also enjoyed. I this is my favorite period. Even though it is my favorite, it comes with kind of a sour note because Newcastle United did lose two one to Leeds United. But the good news, the best news of the podcast, is that Miguel Amaron scored a goal. I don't know how many goals he has on the season, but he scored for Newcastle United. Nothing's going right for Newcastle right now. Terrible and things aren't going good. But Miggy somehow finds a way to make things better every time he scores. And he just announced that him and his wife are expecting, and he announced with a celebration. So congrats to the Almiron family, an Atlanta sports legend. Love him. Um, so he scored an NYCFC product. Jack Harrison also scored. He answered Miggy's goal on the second goal in the eventual 2-1 to win. So really good day for MLS exports. Almiron scoring. Obviously, we know what he did with Atlanta. And then Jack Harrison scoring for Leeds United after he tore up at NYCFC. And I think I saw a stat that said um, the last time they scored at the same game was like a 3-1 win. I think... I don't know who won that game, but they, the last time they scored in the same was Atlanta. Josh is giving me a really bad yes, look. It was probably Atlanta, Atlanta. smacked him. That was, yeah. That I remember that game because they Atlanta scored all three goals in like fifteen minutes, and then that that was like game over. And Jack Harrison had like a seventieth minute goal towards the end, like a little consolation prize. But nonetheless, so that was exciting. That was my favorite game of the weekend. Anytime you see, I think I have Almiron on my fantasy team. I haven't checked fantasy EPL in like forever, but every time he scores, I know my team's doing better than it was last week. So that's really good. Um, but aside from Europeans moving more domestically here, uh, we got to watch the U.S. women's national team play. And like we always get to see when they play, they smack their opponent. They beat Columbia 6 nothing. Granted, Columbia, I think, was missing some players because COVID situation. Um, but U.S. women's national team won 6 nothing. We had goals from... Uh, Macario, rookie, not rookie, rookie's weird, but Macario, her first start with the U.S. Women's National Team, she gets a goal like in five minutes in. Katarina is her first time. Katarina Macario gets a goal, her first a cap with the U.S. Women's National Team. Megan Rapino got two, so good to see her on the field again. Lynn Williams got one, Lindsay Horan got one, and Mitch Purse got one. And so obviously really good. But what we have in the outline here, which is really interesting, Mitch Purse played as a forward. So did Crystal Dunn after both these players are kind of playing these weird outside back roles with their club team with Sky Blue with Mitch Purse and Crystal Dunn is kind of played this left back role with the women's national team. But Josh, when you saw Person Dunn playing up top, what were you relieved to see that? Because I know a lot of people expect them to be in that front line because as we saw, they're pretty dang good at it. So what what are your thoughts about Midge Purse and Crystal Dunn playing up top. Is that where they should be playing under Vlatko Nanovsky, or what do you think about it? So, full disclosure, I wasn't able to actually watch this game. Um, I was 
I was busy teaching on Friday night. Um, however, you know, I was able to read about the game and, and follow along to the best of my ability uh, through Twitter and social media and whatnot. Personally, I don't have a, a huge opinion on this just because I, re- I really liked, I mean, I loved Crystal Dunn at the left back position for the World Cup uh, about two years ago. She was, she was, honestly, she was my favorite player in the squad for the World Cup. But that's not her preferred position. She actually just did an interview recently. I can't remember which outlet it was with or or who the person she interviewed with was, unfortunately. But it's a great interview. She really talks about wanting to play the 10 and why it's really huge for her as a black woman to get that visibility out there because a lot of 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 black women soccer players they're often pigeonholed into either wing players or defenders and i just encourage everyone to seek out that article that interview if they can because it was really illuminating to hear her talk about that so she's now with portland talked about it when the trade happened you know i think it's been it's been weeks now maybe a month or two it looks like she's finally going to get to play that position with Portland. So with that being said, it's really interesting that she finally got into that spot with, with Andonovsky. I'm just really curious to see what's going to happen going forward between her and Purse and Vlatko because it's clear that these two players, they want to play the positions they want to play in, but will that serve the team best? Who knows? You know, if I was one of those players and I was in their position, obviously I'd want to play in the position I want to play in. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Now, from what I could gather, everyone was super excited to see these two playing in their preferred positions. And obviously they did really well because Mitch Purse got her goal. And I think it was her first goal with the national team. And then saw some great reviews of Dunn playing in the midfield. So definitely something to keep an eye on. Yeah, for sure. In that article, I read that. I think this morning it was by Forbes, so it was really good. So yeah, that's awesome. And I remember it was they talked about. I think on the game commentary, they uh, Crystal Dunn texted Inanovsky like a smiley face when she saw that there were a lack of forwards. So she was super pumped to be a forward, have the chance to be a forward in this camp. Um, and she made made a count with a solid six zero win. Um, but moving to the men's national team, uh, we get Sunday. Uh, before the week before the Super Bowl, instead of watching the Pro Bowl, um, I will be watching the U.S. play Trinidad and Tobago this Sunday. Um, their roster was announced not a week ago, a couple days ago, three, four days ago, something like that. Um, so, guys, I guess your initial thoughts on that roster when you looked at it for the first time, was there anything that stuck out to you? Was there any, like, people missing that you thought should have been on there? Or like, Josh, what did you think when you saw that roster for Sunday's game against Trinidad and Tobago? No one really jumped on me in terms of, of missing from the roster, but that's also partly because they, the original pool of players was a lot. There's just a lot of players to choose from between the U23s and the regular senior team members. I think the biggest one for me that I'm disappointed that isn't going to be with the team is Jeremy Abobasi. I, I wonder if he's still sort of recovering from his concussion, which is a little worrisome because, one, concussions are awful, and two, they affect people way differently. It's it's really case-by-case basis. And so I am a little concerned that maybe, you know, they didn't, they didn't pick him for this roster because of that. 
Or maybe he's just not in shape. Maybe he's not fit because he missed so many games towards the end of the season because of, of trying to come back from the concussion, trying to recover properly. So I'm a little bummed to not see him. I, other than that, I personally, I really enjoy watching Asani Dotson play. So for him to get left off as well is, is also a little disappointing. But other than that, I mean, I'm pretty happy, especially as an Atlanta United fan. I'm glad to see Miles Robinson and George Bello. Hopefully those guys get some time against Trinidad and Tobago. So I'll be keeping an eye out for that and, and hoping they get to see the field. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that stuck out to me is seeing the the little numbers beside each player and how those numbers were so small. Like the goalkeeper position, neither there are three goalkeepers called in. None of them have a cap with the U.S. men's national team. So Sunday we're going to see one player get their cap. It's uh, Matt Freeze, JT, Marcinkowski. Marcinkowski. Marcinkowski and Matt Turner, which I know a lot of people have been screaming Matt Turner's name, trying to get him to start and get some time with the national team. So that's really good that Hill, he's at least getting called into camp. Whether or not he gets a cap remains to be seen. But I mean, there's guys, Josie Outdoor is is an obvious exception to the rule. He has countless caps. Paul Ariola has countless caps. Um, Daryl DK is back in camp, which I think last time he was in camp, he got hurt or something like that. But we didn't get to see him play, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, and like a lot of these guys, I mean, you're not these players haven't played a lot with the men's national team. You have a lot of players. This is their first, this is their opportunity to get their first cap. So I'm really excited about that. Um, Trinidad and Tobago has a pretty nasty taste in the mouth. Um, I think it will for the rest of my life, but I don't think we'll ever get over that. But yeah, I'm excited about it. It's a lot of players that haven't had caps with the national team before. Um, so that's really exciting. Um, but moving along to transfers abroad, like off season, but silly season is in full effect. Um, <clears throat> a player that I don't think we've talked a whole lot about on this podcast, Caden Clark. He's finalizing a move to RB Leipzig for January of next year. So he's going to stay in New York um, until then. And reported by the Athletic was the first news outlet to get this. So I guess this is just like this continued Red Bull family continuing to work. Um, Josh, do you have any thoughts about Kane Clark moving? I assume pretty exciting stuff having another MLS player going from the league to Europe. But I guess on a specific thing, is it well, how do you feel about this Red Bull family? Do you like players going from New York to Leipzig or even Salzburg, which I know Brendan Aronson didn't come from Red Bull? But like, what are you excited about? How do you feel about players staying in this Red Bull family? I guess is the question I'm asking. I mean, I think it's smart. I think uh, it's really good business for Salzburg and Leipzig. We've seen it worked out with Tyler Adams so far pretty well, pretty nicely. And he's the first example of the Red Bull organization using the New York Red Bulls as a development uh, stepping stone. The downside of that, of course, is the perception that both Leipzig and Salzburg don't really pay attention to New York. And I think that's somewhat obvious in their transfer moves. They do a great job of picking up talent from their academy, from the Super Draft, and developing that talent, which is great. However, I don't ever see Red Bulls challenging for an MLS Cup because you you need those players that take you over the edge, right? There's always that star player that's going to come through for you. We've seen it with you know Columbus, for example. Lucas Zellerayron was a an extra piece to that team that helped them get to MLS Cup. Raul Ruiz Diaz has played a big role for Seattle. Joseph Martinez or Miguel Almiron with Atlanta. And then obviously, you know, Altidore 
Michael Bradley, uh, Victor Vasquez was huge for them when they won their MLS Cup with Toronto. So I don't think Red Bulls are ever going to compete in MLS Fair Cup with the current model that they're in. And it's it's a weird situation for the city because the city, they're not even in New York, um, the New Jersey Red Bulls. It's a weird situation for them because if I'm a Red Bulls fan, like you like either have to accept that you're never going to have the team that's going to challenge for a cup or you're just going to have to pick another team to choose, I guess. It, it Honestly, it's kind of a, a crappy situation. But in terms of player development and for a player like Caden Clark, this is excellent. The thing that stands out to me about this is when he originally started playing with New York over the summer and getting those starts, right, people were already talking about how there was a thing in his contract about moving to Leipzig. I'm a little surprised that's happening so fast, but I think it just speaks to the raw talent that Clark has. And so I'm really excited because he'll only be 18 or 19 next year when he starts playing with Leipzig. And if he's like fast-tracked into the first team, then holy crap. I mean, this is a – sorry, he's 17. This is – or 18. This is a dude who was born in 2003. And you're telling me that he's probably going to be fighting for a starting position at RB Leipzig in a year? That's insane. That's insane. Who knows? By the time he gets there, they might already have gotten into the Champions League round of 16. They might be – no, I'm not going to say it. They're not going to be competing for a Bundesliga title because no one wants to be Bayern for some reason. But either way, super exciting for him. He's just so young, and it's just – it blows my mind, honestly. Random question. Was his first goal against Atlanta United? I feel like yeah. it was. Yeah. So, so was so Brendan Aronson. Yeah. Same way. Yep. Yep. Okay, cool. Red, so he's in good company. He's Red good Bulls company. will forever torment Atlanta, whether it's with Salzburg, Leipzig, New York, doesn't matter. So if you score your first goal against Atlanta, you're guaranteed to have a good European career or at least get to Europe at some point. Bingo. No, no, you are signing a contract with Red Bull right then there on the spot if you score your first career goal against Atlanta. <laughs> I think they're Red Bull scouts at every Atlanta United game. That's if it. It's not, yeah, they're like sitting in the stands with us. Manager sitting there with a contract ready for you to sign, and he walks onto the field mid-game for you to sign it. In the locker room waiting for him. Yeah, exactly. But honestly, I think this is a good move for Clark. Uh, again, it's insane to see a, a 17-year-old uh, already have a deal agreed to with RB Leipzig. Um, although we already knew that this would happen, uh, we knew he was going to go to Europe and we knew that the Salzburg Leipzig thing was going to happen. So it's not that shocking, but the fact that he's doing it at 18 to 19 years old in Europe is insane. Um, and it's so weird cause like that Caden Clark is younger than my sister and that's crazy. And uh, she's a 2002. So we're getting to the point where <laughs> it's just you are the old men and you're watching these young talents from North America tear apart Europe. And you're going to see it very soon, probably with Jaquil Marshall Rudy in Toronto as well. Uh, but it may not even just have to be young players. It could be some of the more established veterans uh, like Paul Ariola, who is being linked to a move to uh, Swansea. Uh, according to him, he is basically just waiting on DC United and Swansea to reach a transfer agreement and he will go there. So that'll be both 
Um, Jordan Morris, who's on the six-month loan, with an option to buy that's apparently eight figures, which is insane. Um, and Ariola playing for Swansea, who could very, very well easily get into the Premier League uh, this season. So it's very, very interesting to watch. What do you guys think about Ariola coming out saying that he's agreed to the move to Swansea? I think it's great that he could be joining Morris over there. I think it'd be really cool to watch, you know, both Americans. I guess wingers? I wonder how Swansea's going to play Ariola, but that's a hypothetical right now because that deal hasn't been agreed to. My main problem with this is that they might mess this deal up like they messed up Lucio Acosta to PSG. They kind of waited too long with that and then PSG like dropped everything and then it screwed up Acosta in his final season with DC and ended up leaving for free. I'm not saying that this situation is going to happen exactly with Ariola, but DC's track record right now, specifically in this winter window, because it was two years ago in this window that Ariola almost had that midnight move to PSG. So I'm a little worried for Ariola. I mean, it sounds like everybody wants him to go, but if DC is going to be stingy about this, then they're going to screw over their player yet again. I think Swansea will line up with Morris on the left, Ariel on the right. Woo! I all right. Maybe not initially. Like they might have Ariel start on the bench because he's coming off the major injury. But I don't think they have wingers in their system. I, from what I was reading, Jordan Morris is probably going to line up as one of their strikers, one of their two strikers in a, in a two striker setup. So I wonder if. Ariola might be used as a wing back. I don't know if they're in the, like a three five man back line or if they do a four four two. Yeah, I guess he could play wing in the four. Or they're maybe looking to add another element to their squad and another formation. Uh, True. Just having maybe like I don't know what they currently play, but I assume they have some sort of attacking midfielder and defensive midfielder if they likely have two strikers up top. So I think maybe like a four one two one two wide with Morris and Ariel playing left mid, right mid could potentially work. Uh, but that is assuming that they both get into the starting 11 the second that they arrive, which I don't know how likely that is because I'm not exactly familiar with Swansea's uh, squad formation or the players on them. Uh, but maybe Josh, you know more about that. Or even Drew, do you know about the championship? <laughs> Yeah, I spend every Saturday morning waking up at 7 a.m. to watch the championship on ESPN+. Plus. No, I really don't. I wish I did. Um, maybe I'll start doing that. If, he get, if they both go, I'll do it. But I think that's an interesting element because in MLS, right, we're so used to seeing these guys on the wing. But maybe Ariola would be a type of player when they're down a goal chasing the game. You bring him on and place it for a midfielder and we're a defender, a defensive-minded player. And maybe if you're chasing that game or you need a result, then you bring on Ariola have a striker and have Jordan Morris on their right. So I think that's an interesting option as well. Um, it's kind of weird to think of Paul Ariola coming off the bench, like you said, because he's just veteran old. Um, he's dealing with the injury, so who knows when he'll actually step on the Don't field. Don't call him old. You're making fun of Josh. He's only two years older than him. <laughs> Josh cannot break into Swansea City starting 11. I apologize. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's an interesting element. Him coming off the bench, um, again, I have no idea how Swansea City plays. Maybe that's our homework for this weekend. I don't know who they play, but our homework for this weekend is to 
get up and watch them play on ESPN+. Plus. I was going to say, don't worry about doing your homework because I'm doing it for you right now. They play in a 3-5-2 according to whoscored.com. So what this tells me is they're looking to use Paul Ariola as a right wing back. He has played right back for DC before, and so he's got some experience sort of defending. So he could probably give him something out wide. Technically, it's a 3-4-1-2, but it's pretty much a 3-5-2 from looking at it. So very possible we could see both of them. I, I have a feeling they wanted to play Morris this past weekend, but there was a red card uh, in like the 70-something minute. So there was no way they were going to bring Morris on already down a man protecting a result. I don't know if I've talked about this, but the 3-5-2 is my favorite formation of all in soccer. I play in FIFA all the time. I love it. So I'm a big Swansea City fan. Back no. three enthusiasts no. over four, here. 4 three, 3 Ariola might have a tough time getting in at right mid because I believe if he isn't playing... Uh, I'm looking at his FIFA card now, at the FIFA cards now for oh uh, <laughs> Swansea because it's just easy and it has all their f- positions. <laughs> uh, but it has Andre Ayew as playing as right mid, that is his gold card, but he's playing he, as an attacking midfielder on an yes. in So I assume he's and playing as an attacking midfielder right now. He's also playing as one of the strikers, at least according to who scored with this formation for him. But whatever, it's just Swansea City. I could see them both getting into the starting 11 right away, yes. to be honest. Like, that squad depth on FIFA isn't the best. Um, especially at wide. I think I only saw, like, two midfielders who were silver and... Frankly, based on this is all based on FIFA rankings, uh, so take that with a massive grain of salt. But I could see it. Um, who knows? So that's if this move even goes through. And you know, you mentioned the Acosta stuff. So who knows at this point? Yeah, who knows? There is a possibility, like we talked about in the outline, that this deal could totally fall through. Um, we have seen that in MLS. So who knows? Uh, we'll see what happens with that. Obviously, Jordan Morris was official. I don't know if we talked about that last pot or not. But that was official, so he's officially at Swansea City. Um, but another transfer abroad, which I had no idea. This came out of nowhere, so maybe you guys can talk about it more. But Stephen Goff of the Washington Post, really trustworthy reporters, cranked out a lot of really good transfers before they happen, um, is reporting that championship side Reading, they are currently fifth in the league, so they're still in contention for promotion. They are looking for a loan option to buy Aaron Long. Well, the loan an option to get Aaron Long loaned. That might be their correct way to say it. I said loan option to buy, and that just sounded weird in my head. It's it's a loan with an option to buy. With an option That's to buy. There you go. Um, so this came out of nowhere for me. I didn't know this. So, Josh, what does, it ha- does this have a lot of steam going on? I assume, first again, what do you th- does anyone know anything about this? Like, this just came out of nowhere for me. I threw this up there because it's Goff reporting it, and but it only he only tweeted that out today, so this is definitely like really really new, and I haven't seen anything updated on it. The interesting aspect to me about this is that Reading is managed by previous Chicago Fire manager Velko Panovich, so this guy went from like managing one of the worst clubs in MLS to one of the best clubs in the English Championship, so. I, obviously, he's he's pretty familiar with Aaron Long, having coached in the same conference as Long for a few years. So I I'm excited. Hopefully, this goes through because you know Long wanted to play in England. He had you know whatever West Ham, Burnley, Aston Villa, they're all the same. One of those clubs wanted Aaron Long. Uh, I guess it was last winter, and Red Bulls didn't really let it happen. So hopefully, he finally gets his move to England. Yeah, I think it was West Ham. Uh, who are the club, but 
I might be wrong on that. I believe I also saw some rumors around Long. I'm not sure if this is 100% set, but I think there might have been a club in France and potentially another couple clubs or one club in England as well who are interested in him. Uh, but Redding is obviously the one who came out, and he's currently with the U.S. national team, uh, and they play Sunday night, and the English transfer deadline is Monday. So this is going to have to happen very quickly if Long wants to end up in the championship. So we'll see whether or not that happens, but it's a possibility, and... I wouldn't rule it out. I just think it's probably unlikely given how we haven't heard a lot of it up until now. Uh, but who knows? Uh, another move international-wise that we... Actually, let's stick with MLS for one second. Then we'll touch on the other American finally moving somewhere potentially. Uh, but Brian Reynolds, who came out today, uh, is going to fly to Italy tomorrow to do a medical... Uh, before joining AS Roma. Uh, the deal is an $8.5 million uh, transfer fee, which could rise to $11 million with incentives. Uh, Tom Bogert is the one who broke the deal, and Nico Shira is the one who reported the flight first. So that deal is looking like it's going to get across the line probably in the next day or two. Yeah, excited to finally see that saga end feels like it's just every week we're talking about where is he going to go in Italy. So it finally feels like the saga is almost over. It is over, hopefully. So finally excited to see that be completed. Yeah, I'm with Drew. It's just been an, a long, drawn-out process, and it seems like it's finally coming to him. So I'm pretty happy for, for Brian Reynolds. It's going to be really cool to see him getting over there in Italy. And I saw Roma plays Juventus next week, so he could potentially make his Italian Serie A debut against the other team that was madly trying to sign him. The FC Dallas Derby. That's what this is going to be called. That's what <laughs> this game is now known as. There's no way he makes his debut a week after transferring, but that would be very cool. And it is completely out of the question because I believe Serginio Dest, when he transferred from Ajax to Barcelona, made his debut like either days or a week after his transfer. So... Who knows? Uh, but other transfers, DeAndre Yedlin is reportedly on the move to Turkish side Galatasaray. What do you guys know about that move? Because I haven't seen very much uh, surrounding Yedlin apart from a lot of rumors to him going to various different teams and him wanting DP level money to come back to the States. Yeah, he, I, I don't really have a problem with him wanting DP level money uh, from, from an MLS side. I mean, he's been pretty much a regular starter at Newcastle for however many years. And even this year when there were this year when there were issues with possibly transferring him back in the summer, he won that starting job and was starting regularly. The only reason he's not playing now is because Newcastle couldn't sort out his work permit for the UK, something. Listen, man, no offense to Drew. Newcastle United is incredibly incompetent, and they have a lot of things they need to fix, but this just highlights the incompetency at that club. So good for Yedlin, I guess. Uh, he he was trying to move to, I want to say, Fenerbahce back in the summer, so for him to get to Galatasaray, is, is he's finally getting his move to Turkey, and I'm sure he's getting paid well. So good for him. Yeah, I'm excited to see him go. Um, yeah, he hasn't played. He... 
I think he was hurt, or like he mentioned, Josh mentioned the transfer, the, the work permit issue, so that was it now. He played for a little bit recently, played like a solid stretch of starting all 90. But before that, there were playing time issues. He just wasn't in the squad. He was on the bench and didn't come off the bench and play. Um, and in the past couple of games, he, I don't even know if he's been in squad selection or not the past couple of games. So no, he was on the bench against Arsenal. They lost 3-0. Uh, was in the squad for the last two games, which they both lost to Aston Villa and now Leeds. So, yeah, Newcastle's a dumpster fire right now. It's unfortunate, but Almiron's scoring goals. That's all we care about in this podcast is Miguel Almiron's scoring goals. But, yeah, excited to see him leave. I Galatasaray is cool. I don't know about you guys, but I was like a Drogba enthusiast when I started getting into the game. And Galatasaray's had some pretty big names there, so I'm excited about it. Um, but, yeah, happy to see him get out of Newcastle. Drogba played for Galatasaray? Yeah, oh, someone else did. He. Oh, man, I'll think about it at the end of the pod, but he played there. There's been some big names there. I'm looking it up as we speak, but I remember that because I was thinking, like, what is this Turkish team doing? <laughs> but Drogba played there. Huh. That's really interesting. Uh, another rumor I wanted to bring up, just to bug Josh, because I find it absolutely hysterical how bad it was. Uh, oh, yeah, I awful. didn't know. I don't know anything about what's going on. So you I'm didn't you guys see this? It. I'm it's very bad. interested Oh, my God, it's, it's bad. bad. The, from a non-verified account... Uh, shall to get this out of the way right away uh, was Carlos Tevez to I believe it was the Seattle Sounders for ten million dollars in a transfer fee for seventy percent of a thirty-seven year old's transfer never. rights. Never, <laughs> never would make that deal. I don't even think any MLS team would make that. Chicago deal. might, if we're being honest. Chicago no, might. no, that's mean. You're being mean. Maybe Cincinnati. Maybe Cincinnati. Maybe Miami. You know they like to overspend on old players. Ooh, LA Galaxy. That's another. LA good Galaxy. One. Imagine that partnership of Chicharito and Carlos Tevez. Man, that would be the 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 house of overpaid <laughs> players right there. LA Galaxy. I just thought it was hysterical that they thought. That an MLS club would pay ten million for a thirty-seven-year-old for seventy percent of the player's rights, as if they would then sell him on for even more money. <laughs> like God, when you make up crap rumors, at least make it a little bit believable. Maybe he missed a decimal place and it was one million. Make might make a little bit more sense. I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt here, but either way, just terrible transfer rumor, and the man should be ashamed of himself and never use that insider or source ever again. Uh, but we've talked about transfers long enough. We've already been going for 40 minutes. Um, so let's fire through some other stuff quickly, uh, specifically MLS announcing a start date. Uh, the MLS season will kick off on April 3rd, Preseason will start on February 22nd. Uh, all of the Canadian teams will only be in Canada for that period of time, uh, I believe. I know Vancouver for sure will only be in Canada. So you could potentially be seeing some CPL teams playing MLS teams as some friendlies uh, to try to ramp up for the season. They also announced Campiones Cup and Leagues Cup, um, which will likely take place in late summer. Uh, the MLS Cup is currently scheduled for December 11th with playoffs starting November 19th. So we better hope that none, no Canadian teams make it to MLS Cup again because otherwise everyone's going to freeze to death. Uh, and speaking of Canadian teams, they were not included in any of this uh, because they said they don't know what we are going to do yet, which fair because 
frankly, we don't know what we're going to do yet either. And we don't know whether or not players will have vaccines or whether or not we can travel by then because it's crazy in Canada right now. We're having over 2,000 cases a day in Ontario alone. And like a week ago, it was 3,000 a day. Um, and we're currently in another lockdown. So it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens. What were your guys' first reactions to everything MLS announced in terms of this season? For starters, I'm just glad they went ahead and announced a league start date especially because that was a point of contention between them and the MLS Players Association, which obviously we'll touch on in a little bit. But other than that, I mean, personally, selfishly, I'm just bummed that it's not sooner. I miss MLS. I want to I see the games again. And now that, now that we've got all the coaches sorted out and the transfer window is about to be closed, you know, ready. I'm ready. Everybody's ready. But, of course, we're not really ready because there's still a pandemic. Um, but just glad that there is, is now finally a start date and, and some, some concrete things to start looking forward to. MLS's transfer deadline is not close. <laughs> yeah, but everybody else's transfer deadline is pretty much closed for the most part. That doesn't mean anything for us. If we're just bringing players, well, at least for me, if we're bringing players in, like, well, it means you can't sign like, you know, you can't sign Sergio Aguero in like four days. You know? Yes, you can. No, they're allowed to sell players after the transfer deadline. They're not allowed to bring players in. In the other leagues? Yeah. Like we brought in Pozuelo in like March, right? Yeah, because Bel- Bel- isn't Belgium's window different? No, their window had already closed. Uh, it's They're only not allowed to bring players in, which is why Barcelona had to apply for an exception last window because they to bring in Martin Braithwaite because of injuries and stuff. Uh, yeah. So you're whatever. But yeah. the signings are going to slow down in the next couple of days. Yes. Is my point. You're right. And hopefully the trades will ramp up. Drew, what are your thoughts after I hijacked what Josh was saying? Yeah. Um, kind of the same boat. It's just good to see a start date. It's a little bit later. I think it's about, Maybe a month later, around a month. I feel like early March is when we usually get the start of MLS. Um, so that's good. I'm not sure when preseason usually starts for the team. So maybe they have a longer preseason that you have about a month and a week of preseason. Um, so yeah, I mean, not a whole lot of thoughts except that it this feels like a little more normal. Um, what is interesting is that the season was pushed back about a month and. MLS Cup still feels like it's about the same, around the same time as it usually would be. Um, I feel like it's always been around December 10, something like that. So it's, I thought it was interesting that the season was pushed back a month, but MLS Cup was pretty similar. I don't know if that means less games. I don't know if they've announced how many games are playing in the schedule, if that's going to stay consistent or if they're going to congest those games more. Um, I don't know how it's going to work, but that's what struck to me. Um, and like you said, the Canadian team's not included thing. Um, I thought you would be mad about it, but the way you talk, no one really knows what's going on in Canada, so maybe that was a good thing that they didn't include this. Um, but along with MLS being scheduled getting released, we had CCL, 2021 CONCACAF Champions League dates were also announced. I don't know if those were the same day or not, but the draw will take place February 10th, so that's pretty soon. So we're going to talk about that in an episode not too long. Uh, round 16 in April, then quarterfinals April and May. Uh, semifinal will be in August, and then the final will be, 
Oh my goodness. The final will be in October. And it's just a one game final now. Which that we can talk because we had a lot of talks about that. About LAFC getting that one game final as opposed to the two leg thing. So Josh, what you're you're the bait. This is the bait. What do you think about CONCACAF Champions League going to just one game finals as opposed to the two leg system which we saw before this year, obviously? It's awesome. I think it's great. I think it'll be easier for an MLS team to finally win CCL. Uh, and I feel bad for Toronto, though, because they... Pro- well, no, they, they did terrible in that first leg against Chivas, right? Back when they took them to PKs, Connor? They did lose because they... Won- they had to come back, didn't they? I think they? so, Yeah. I've, like, I've tried to push that as far PKs. out of my memory as possible. That's fair. Um, That's fair. All I remember is I'm losing on PKs and Bradley Skying one. Uh, but What's new? That does sound... Ball still hasn't landed. Yes, ball <laughs> still hasn't landed. Although it was better than uh, Travis Boyd. Was it Travis? Terrence. Ter- Terrence, Terrence Boyd. Boyd. Hey, that man is tearing it up in the three Bundesliga. Which makes absolutely no sense, but I guess it shows how... High level MLS is. Uh, <laughs> I love his tattoo, by the way, the Cyclops eye that he does for his goal celebrations, where he, he puts his forearm over his face and he sticks out his tongue because he has a ridiculously long tongue. The fact that you know that is kind of both sad and scary at the same time. Um, okay, hold on a second. Uh, Brian Sherietta, I don't know how to pronounce his name. He's a great follow on Twitter. Suggest you go follow him. He is the man when it comes to keeping tabs on American players. So because Terrence Boyd scores so often, he pops up on my timeline a lot because Brian shares his goals and his picture for those goals from whichever club he's with shows him with the Cyclops eye. So I see it a lot because he scores all the time. He's played like 50 games for them and scored in over half of them. I think you're bluffing and you just like looking at Terrence Boyd doing a celebration late at night. I'm going to find the picture and I'm going to put it in a document (laughs) so you guys can enjoy it while we're recording this. Okay. I don't know how we got to Terrence Boyd, uh, but yeah, in terms of CCL. Because Toronto. Yeah, right. Toronto, which, right. Um, (laughs) CCL, look, I think it's interesting that they're doing two legs all the way to the final. Uh, It definitely gives a bit of an advantage to the home side uh, and higher ranked side, which I don't know if that's, I can't remember how they do the breakdown for that, but I don't know. I don't know if I necessarily agree with the one leg. I know like this is not what I said last time at all. Um, But I think the two legs almost a bit more fair. And I think with MLS and, Mexico getting closer in terms of talent, in terms of squad quality. I feel like having a two leg would be a better way of showing how good the two leagues are. Uh, But again, as Josh said, this will give MLS a better chance at winning Champions League, obviously, Uh, especially if Mexico has to play in February in Toronto, because that isn't fun. Uh, but yeah, uh, Josh. One thing I am really excited about is just how stretched out everything is. There's the picture, by the way, for you guys to enjoy. Um, for example, if an MLS team that is or not two a long or, time. Oh man, fingers crossed. Three. That's cool. That's awesome. very cool. Not it's a, a long dope time tattoo, though. and he's got a long tongue, and it he makes it work. Not a long tongue. Makes it work. 
That's not even a great picture. It's just the best one I could find on such short notice. Anyway, so <laughs> I'm really excited about the semifinals and final taking place so late in the in the calendar year because it now means that MLS, I think, has a better shot of actually competing. So if they manage to somehow survive the round of 16, which is literally the first week of what is so far the regular season, hopefully – and with the quarterfinals being only a month into the MLS regular season, if an MLS team or two, or like I said, even more, hopefully, if they can survive through those first two rounds, then they're going to be just as fit and in form as the Liga MX teams for the first time in a long time. We saw how well they all performed down in Orlando last month in December, and I think a lot of that had to do with MLS teams still being game fit, um, even if most of those teams unfairly had to climb out of a really deep hole in terms of goal differential and being forced to play a second leg. Unfairly. It was unfair. Who are the clubs again in Champions League? I know Columbus, obviously. Columbus, Philly, Portland, Atlanta, and most likely Toronto because there's no way you guys are going to lose to Forge. You say that, but... Oh, no, I'm trying to reverse jinx it. Or jinx it? I don't know. I want to see Toronto lose to the CPL team. It would be hilarious. You know, I did this Sorry. I did this on the Staff and Graph podcast once. Uh, and I might do it again today. I'm able to I obviously I edit these podcasts, so I have lots of control <laughs> over the audio. So your voice might get pitched up a little bit when you're saying that. Um, <laughs> so you'll have to listen around the fifty three minute mark. Um, if I remember to do it. Even with now that I've said that, you'll remember immediately after. I'll have a reminder for myself, and I'm a genius for saying this. Well, you'll be listening to it, and you'll be just as upset when you hear me say it a second time, and you'll remember. <laughs> You're probably right. Um, but let's continue on from Champions League to actually, let's continue on Champions League and ignore the next topic because I don't want to talk about it, and I'm trying to stall as late as possible so that they effing announce what's going to happen. They're just going to extend it, for being honest. Probably, and Sam uh, Stajskal did tweet this um, 33 minutes ago. Sitting in here waiting on CBA resolution, stewing in the knowledge that I will regret not buying GME like three days ago for the rest of my life. Did you see his own reply to that tweet? No. He said the new Chicago Firecrest should be the GameStop logo. <laughs> that would be legendary. <laughs> and I believe that's coming soon too. Uh, that stuff. Uh, I, I think like by the end of the year is probably when they announce it. Cause they said they wouldn't be able to officially flip things over until next season because uh, of how long it takes for all the design stuff and for kits and whatnot. But yeah, it's relatively soon. Only, if we're going based off last year, about another decade away. Um, so we'll try to grind through this. Like MLS and MLSPA are trying to grind through the current CBA negotiations, which we talked about last week. Uh, I'll let you boys go first and sort of take this away uh, and read f all 40 lines that we have prepared for the hellscape that these negotiations have been it's not that bad it's not ideal yeah i <laughs> when i was looking at this it's a lot of numbers and it's a lot to dig through i'm looking at this last statement they tweeted out um at 2 18 this afternoon 
And the thing that struck my attention was in the second graph of the proposal statement that the PA tweeted out. Um, they said, a proposal has been presented to MLS that includes a second extension to the current CBA term to include the 2026 season. I don't know about you guys, but just the word 2026 in the North American soccer context just carries a ton of weight to me. Like, I feel like having, because there's there's the whole schedule fiasco, right? I feel like that's the main part of this is, is MLS going to play through a World Cup in their own country, right? Because that brings up a whole different issue. You want all eyes on the World Cup. You want, because cities were announced a couple of days ago, and I think all those cities have MLS teams. So for Atlanta's perspective, do you want to deal with having to tell Atlanta United you can't play because there's a World Cup game going on? No, right? they can't MLS play in Cup. Atlanta at that stadium because you have turf. I, I'm sure they would work on it. They They'd would have do to yeah, take the turf out and replace it with grass. They would probably do also, that, honestly. Not yeah. all cities have MLS teams because Edmonton are one of those cities. Um, wow. Is Vancouver? I assume Vancouver, Vancouver has is to be not in there. because the BC government wouldn't give them money. They wouldn't oh my sanction goodness. it. BC plays World Cup game would be so much fun. And as of today, Montreal is in trouble because with their Quebec bid would. because of money. And there are so, now theories wow. that Edmund, Alberta's government won't do it either. Rumors. So is Toronto the only city in the clear? There are also possibilities that the Ontario government will not do it. Oh my goodness. Um, Although I'd say Ontario would be the most likely because we do already have the infrastructure set up. uh, And I assume MLSC would cover a lot of it considering it would be at BMO. And there will, I think there were already, what? Hmm. They'd have a World Cup game at BMO? Yeah. Why? It's too small of a stadium. They have to add more seating. So in the... Okay. I think it was the south end. It might have been the north end. I believe it was the south end. They're going to add a ton of seating to reach the minimum that you need to host a World Cup game. Nice. Uh, but it already seats 36,000. It looks way smaller than It that, looks way smaller, but it does seat 36,000. Because where the cameras are set up in the stadium... There are like that's where most of the seating is. Most of the seating is behind that, and then on ah. the other side in the second deck. Uh, so those go up like this across the stadium from where I sit, which is where the cameras are. There are like a hundred rows, sort of thing. There's a lot of seating. Uh, so they currently does thirty six thousand. They still need to get it up, uh, but Toronto would be most likely. But yeah, the big issue is what will Edmonton and Montreal do. Uh, because there's a very, very real possibility they may have to host all 10 games in Toronto. There's also a real possibility that Canada might have to pull out of the bit. I have a solution. Very quick, very genius. Just host the game at Ralph Wilson Stadium in Buffalo and call it Toronto. Get off. (laughs) Leave. No. The Red Bulls do it with Jersey. Just cross a different, instead of a state border, it's a country border. Same thing, same idea. I already have a massive issue with how many games are being hosted in Canada because I think it's absurdly unfair that the U.S. are getting almost all of them as opposed to Canada and Mexico who are getting like 10 each. Take it up with Canada and Mexico's soccer federation. I think we have the NFL stadium advantage or stadiums. Like you have New York. I mean, infrastructure. I know how big that stadium is. That is true. I still find it very frustrating though when it's a joint bid. And 
all of the games are in the U.S. And I'd even be okay with more games being in Mexico than in Canada, because in Canada, I understand, we have no stadiums. Mexico, they have a lot of stadiums, but everything's in the States, which I find very frustrating, but... Okay, one more joke, and then I do actually have something important oh, to say. Should just convert. Should just convert your biggest hockey stadium into a soccer stadium. Okay, that's not so... how it works. That would not work. <laughs> and we have bigger soccer, football stadiums. But they and... have they have they have hockey games outside every year. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I know you can't reverse they it. They build right, so, it in so... effing soccer stadiums. I know. I know. Come on. I know. Okay. Okay. So. Okay. Oh, so for real though. So so. <laughs> Drew Drew brings up a, f- a really important point. I think to this is that 2026 year. So we talked about it a little bit. Let's last talk week, about the World although, Cup. <laughs> so not a lot had happened last week with with the negotiations between the Players Association and the league itself. The league wanted to push the CBA back from 2025 to 2027. Now the biggest issue with that, obviously, World Cup is in 2026. It's almost guaranteed that it's going to create a, a really big boost in the in the profile that is soccer in North America but especially in the United States obviously the players want a share of that so I think it's important that they've come back now with a response saying that they want it to be 2026 now another fantastic point Drew brings up is the scheduling and I can't remember when it was said this was a while ago but there there was there was someone speculating whether or not MLS would shift the calendar to be a Euro-based calendar, which would make sense if you're going to do that around the World Cup. I know, yeah, Connor is shaking his no, head furiously. I don't want to go to a soccer game in January. I, I know, I know. <laughs> I don't either, and I'm only in Atlanta. But I think, I, I, I'm, not even, I'm not here to discuss whether or not it's possible. I just think it's something that people should keep an eye out on. Now, here's the issue that has popped into my brain since Drew mentioned the scheduling issue. The league could possibly shift the calendar and then, well, it depends on the legality of it, but they could even say, oh, you wanted the CBA to go through 2026? Well, because of the calendar shift, we're going to have to end it right before we start the 2026-27 season. So hopefully that doesn't come down to it, although I could totally see MLS screwing their players like that. They seem to be really good at it. So just something I think that we're going to have to keep in mind as they talk about this deal. Why on the face of the planet? I just thought about this. Does MLS want to negotiate a new CBA in the one year where soccer is going to have the most eyes in North America on it ever? You'd think they'd want to do it the year before so that they could it's not a good look. Yeah, That's and they can point. capitalize the year before on nobody paying attention to the league so they can keep yes, the dollars and low. It, and it was originally a year before, but then MLS pushed it back because they want to pocket the money that they're going to, the owners want to pocket the money they're going to get at the end of 2026 from the boost that's going to come in the summer. And so then they were going to get total control over the negotiations in 27, which is why the players are pushing back to have it in 26. I, I, you're right. I don't really know. I don't think it works logistics-wise because of all the planning that's going to have to be done, and I think it's a mess of a situation. But this is this is what the league has backed themselves into. This is what they've done by wanting to push back the CBA again and again and, and wanting to come back to the negotiating table. So I don't really know. We talked about this before we started recording, but honestly, it, it doesn't really even feel like that much of a priority for the players. They they definitely care most about free agency, which is why with their counter offer, 
I think it should be noted. They've uh, the players' <clears throat> counter proposal included easing free agency qualifications starting in 2025. So under the new current CBA, I believe. I can't remember if it the if it goes into action like now or if it's down the road. I think it's down the road. But anyway, under the the previous CBA or whatever, it was originally for free agency. The qualification was 24 or younger with five years of experience. This new counter proposal, the players are trying to sneak in 23 and under four years experience. So this has been such a big deal to the players to get free agency. I I honestly think that if they get this U23 four years qualification thing, they're not even really going to care about the other ones and you know, the three of us who have never been part of a professional players union and don't play soccer professionally, you know, we can sit here and say, well, that doesn't make any sense. You know, think about all the money in the long term, but we're not in their position. And because they haven't had like a legit free agency, like ever in MLS, it's just super important to them. And, and you know, it makes sense. It creates more competition. That's the problem with player unions is they only think in the now. They don't think about the future which is a big issue right now in the NHL because they owe so much money back in revenue sharing that it's just not really feasible. Um, so MLS doing this, I think free agency in the long term will also be beneficial, but taking a decreased san- uh, annual salary budgets is going to be really negative in 2024. And less media revenue share when you're going to negotiate a TV deal in less than 48 months seems even less than ideal. So just to sort of provide context for why the players care about free agency so much, they recognize that MLS is growing as a league, and that means that there's going to be a lot of players coming in from outside of the U.S. and Canada. Those players are more often than not going to get more money, and so this actually might not be such a, a long-term fumble, I guess is the best way to put it. This, this might actually end up being a good long-term play for these players because th- that's th- they're starting to get outpaid by by their, their counterparts that come in with no MLS experience. And so they're just trying to protect that, that financial side of it. So that, that to me, it makes sense because they will get compensated well on the free agent market, especially if they're, they, you know, they've shown over however many years they've been in the league that they're they're a good player. So perhaps this isn't such a short-sighted move from the players' union, at least on their end. But but I think that's a good point. You know, there's hopefully hopefully so much money coming into the league over the next few years between the the TV deal, between the World Cup uh, uh, coming, and now just five years. So obviously it's going to be something important to look out for, and of course. They could they could not agree to a deal in the next 90 minutes, and things could go horribly wrong. Always a possibility. Yeah, which sucks, but that is the joys of a league trying to take advantage of a pandemic and pocket money in the long term while hurting the, their employees in the short term. Uh, but let's move on from the league talk because... We don't even know what's going to happen in the next hour and a half uh, as we're recording this. And for all we know, they could agree to a deal and this entire conversation just became void. Uh, But some more player moves we should mention, uh, which our first one isn't really a player move. It kind of is. Betty Failhaber is joining uh, as an assistant coach with SKC. Interesting move. 
Either of you have any thoughts on this? I'm excited about it. I really like I really like him. Uh, if you haven't, I would highly suggest listening to the BSI podcast. It's him, Salzizo, and Icopara, and the three of them. They always interview players, coaches, players they've played with. It's really cool, really laid back. So I've gotten to know him a little bit from listening to that podcast, and cool guy. I think he'll learn a lot under Peter Vermees, and he was such a big part of SKC. You know, he was. We talked about Matt Beasler. Uh, a couple weeks ago, and he was part of that group. Him and Beasler and Zusi and whoever else, you know, they, they were a big part of that SKC core. So it's cool to see them come back, um, specifically Fowl Auburn, and, and be with Vermees. And who knows, maybe he'll have an MLS coaching gig in the next couple of years. Yeah, I'm going to say Bo's Josh. It's really cool to see players that played so long with their club join the coaching staff. And yep, yeah, awesome. Super excited about it. Um, yeah, not a whole lot to say. Just really happy. Um, see, where he goes in the coaching tree, maybe he'll go up as a manager somewhere else. Maybe he'll stay with SKC. But yeah, super excited about that. And happy to see club legends kind of staying put in their city. So really excited about it. Not a whole lot of thoughts to say, though. All right. Next up, which I didn't think this would gain any sort of traction when I said this last week, but there are more Sebastian Giovinco rumors to LA Galaxy, which I didn't see. Josh, you threw this in the dock. Was this a? I actually I might have seen this. It was a verified account, wasn't it? Uh, I can't remember. I I just saw that it was tweeted slash reported today, and I do remember you briefly, very briefly mentioning something about it last week. I I don't even know if it's a. I don't know what to think of it. You're right. It's kind of insane right now, and it really feels like out of nowhere. The only thing about it that makes sense is that do you think it would be going back with Greg Vanny who? He experienced lots of success with up in Toronto. So honestly, I would love to see Giovinco at LA Galaxy because it would just be stupid ridiculous, like that that team that they have. Um, and I don't know, you know, maybe he can uh, make up for them losing Christian Pavone. Uh, we have an update on the Sam Skage Skull. Skage, stage Skull um, tweet thread because... No, don't. Is this about... <laughs> after he tweeted about the GameStop logo... He replied to that tweet with, I would 1,000% buy a Nary Castillo Chicago Fire GameStop Crest jersey. And then followed that up with, MLS needs to hurry up and hit its own deadline before icing further into this incredibly stupid rabbit hole. So Sam is having a great night tonight. Uh, and isn't, He's like all of us. Isn't <laughs> just dying from dread and wait, uh, suspense, shall we say. Uh, but <laughs> shout out to Sam Stage Skull. Um, next up, an actually confirmed rumor: Vancouver finally signed Daber Caicedo. He's a 20 year old uh, Colombian youth winger. Uh, what are your thoughts on this move, resident Vancouver Whitecaps? fan sort of drew i am so excited about this move just because it's someone young it's someone exciting and the white caps are terrible so anything is new is good um yeah i mean i'm excited about it right i think we talked about this a couple episodes ago um that he was rumored and i think that was really the last we talked about it um so to see it finally come through is really good uh yeah super pumped about it um yeah he's only 20 years old so maybe there's the possibility 
of him coming to Vancouver doing well. And so I don't know what the transfer fee was. I don't know if that's been released or anything like that, but maybe the possibility of buying him, developing, selling to Europe, repeat process. Um, Because as we know, Vancouver Whitecaps players do pretty dang good in Europe. So that's exciting about that. Um, Yeah, I'm super pumped about it. I think, yeah, I mean, Vancouver, they're kind of like the FCC of the West, right? Anything is new is good. They were terrible last year. yeah, not a whole lot to say about it. Um, excited about it. Uh, Josh, do you have any thoughts or feelings about Vancouver finally looking like they're trying to get trying at least? We don't know if it's going to work, but at least they're trying to get out of their own way right now. Uh, you know, I've said it a few times, but I really hope Mark Dos Santos succeeds. From what I've read about him, he's a fantastic coach, and I think he deserves a chance. And it looks like he's finally getting some good players to work with. Uh, also, a big rumor for Vancouver is they're in the running to sign Bordeaux midfielder Otavio. They're not in the running. Valued at $21 million. Uh, that's probably not going to happen for them. It'd be insane if they somehow pulled that off. Um, but the fact that they're being this ambitious, I think, is a good sign for them as an organization. So I, that's why I think it's worth mentioning. I'm pretty sure I saw, uh, I think it was uh, Manuel Fate said, basically... The second he saw the offer, he rejected it uh, because he's currently being chased by actually good European teams. So signing Otavio. Well, Vancouver's an actually good North American team. No. But not really. That is maybe in the USL. Um, no, he is. They can't even beat CPL teams. Exactly. What are you talking about? USL. They, they're not there exactly. yet. Um, so, yeah, that's not happening. Uh, at least I highly doubt it's happening. Uh, but a rumor that broke, like, very recently, this is not any concrete stuff, but apparently an unnamed MLS team had a $14 million uh, bid rejected for teenage Argentine winger Alan Velasco. Uh, he's 18, considered one of the top uh, South American talents right now. Uh the only reason I bring this up is MLS Buzz is the one who tweeted this, and he listed Atlanta, LA Galaxy, LAFC, or Miami as the only clubs that he feels like could fit this offer, uh, but it was rejected. So at least they're going after someone really good. And speaking of Atlanta, unless either of you have you have anything you want to add to Otavio. Uh, not Otavio, but uh, Casado. Fun fact, Vancouver Whitecaps tweeted out, he is the highest potential career mode on FIFA of any Colombian. He is 86 potential overall. So, Man, I got academy kids boom. with better potentials than that. Fake academy But it's the Whitecaps. Let's, let's, let's take it easy. It's the Whitecaps. We're not talking, yeah. They'll get to the 90 overall, potential overall eventually, but baby steps, baby steps. They had Davies. Like, oh, God. Just... Whitecaps, why? Why? Uh, whatever. They got Ali Abnan uh, now, yes. man. The best left back slash left whatever the heck he is in the league. <laughs> the best left winger masquerading as a left back of all time. <laughs> exactly. Uh, because he's the only one doing that. Okay, yes. he's good at it. <laughs> um, all right. Lissandra Lopez. Yes, thank you. Lissandra Lopez. Uh, we'll wrap up with... We won't wrap up this, with this because I do want to men- mention one thing involving the earthquakes. Uh, but... Atlanta United signed forward Lissandro Lopez, who I tried to talk about last week, and you said, let's wait. Uh, from It wasn't official Argentina. yet. 
it was official. Uh, Listen, if we if we spent time talking about reports and rumors, then we'd spend a lot of time talking about players. But it, whatever. It so, had to do with Atlanta. Lopez. Come on. I was I, trying to I give know, you guys we, something last episode. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. We have Gabriel Hines. We have everything we need. Um, except the six. But anyway, <laughs> Lissandra Lopez. I don't, Drew, we haven't really talked about it a lot since that hasn't happened. I know from, I think for all of us, it came out of left field, uh, especially as Atlanta fans. It does definitely does not fit the the profile of player that Atlanta signs um, in terms of um, players from out of MLS Um foreign players, international players specifically. He's 37. He's a forward, which all of a sudden Atlanta has like five of, six of on the roster. It's kind of crazy because we couldn't even buy a goal last year without Joseph Martinez, and here we are with too much depth. So I I don't really even expect him to play much. It seems more of a culture locker room signing, uh, someone that's going to help Heinz turn things around Atlanta. So as an Atlanta fan, I'm excited about that aspect of it. I don't, like I said, I don't, I'm not going to have many, if any, expectations for him in terms of production on field, but important signing, hopefully, regardless. I believe he is a pretty strong connection to Heinze, uh, and that's why he was brought over and could potentially end up being a coach or manager or some sort of thing like that uh, once his career ends. And I want to say this was a very cheap signing right it was only like a veteran minimum sort of thing yeah they got him on a free essentially i, I saw a bunch of people saying they paid one dollar for him but he wanted to leave this last club he was at which i think was racing club so it was it was i think from all sides it was time for him to move and like you said wants to be with heinze for probably a coaching i could definitely see him play this one year with atlanta and then be on the staff next year because Heinze scored, uh, signed a two-year contract. So that is a very real possibility. Drew, do you have any thoughts on Lissandro Lopez going to Atlanta United? Not really. I think you guys bring up an interesting with the coaching thing. I'm not sure Heinze's entire coaching tree, but he started with Racing Club, uh, moved around, went to FC Porto, went to Lyon in France. So he played in Europe before going back to South America. He played in Brazil, then found his way back to Racing Club where he started, and now he's here. So not a whole lot. Um, not really a whole lot to complain about because it's on a free. Not a whole lot to get excited about because he's 37. But we'll see what happens. Um, excited about it. The coaching staff thing is really interesting. Um, yeah, not a whole lot to say about it's it. Bit, it's It'll a very be, lukewarm signing. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Maybe he'll like accidentally hit like a game winner and like win MLS Cup. Now that we're saying this, but who knows at this point? But yeah, I don't have a lot of feelings about it. All right, and let's wrap up with this, uh, which is going to be absolutely terrible for earthquakes when it probably happens. Matias Almeida is being linked with the Chilean national team's head coaching position. What are your thoughts on this, especially given the? Interesting comments he made at the end of last season uh, following Earthquakes not really spending any money for his team. So I just want to say that I I don't – I'm pretty sure he's got a uh, release clause in his contract, and I think the Chilean national team is – 
one of those teams that he's allowed to just join. So I think that's something to keep an eye on. They did just sign a number 10 from Chivas like last week. We didn't really talk about it. Um, it did just didn't even really make a lot of noise. But for San Jose to be making that move, what feels like a move Almeida wanted is strange to me for him to all of a sudden be linked with Chile. But again, he's, you know, that's one of the, the teams that he, I think he's allowed to leave for that and like the Argentina national team. So definitely something to keep an eye on. I don't know how committed he is to the earthquakes, depending on how much they help him out. I, I, I really hope they help him out. I want him to stay in MLS. I specifically want to see him and Heinze play each other because they're both BLC studs and that would be so wildly entertaining. All right, and with that, we've tried to delay as much as we possibly can to hopefully have gotten an announcement, but we are about an, we're an hour 15 out from the deadline that MLS set. So, unfortunately, we won't be able to talk about it, uh, but we will get it on next week's episode. Uh, so, Drew, why don't you take us out as Sam Skadejkal writes the tweet, and tweets it out the second you say goodbye. Yeah, as is, Twitter thumbs are working. I want to thank you guys again for taking the time to listen to us. We really do appreciate it. As always, you can visit the website, MLSMultiplex.com, to check out really awesome stuff our writers are cranking out as MLS offseason is going on and crazy transfers and moves around the league continue to happen. Our writers crank out really awesome stuff, so please visit the website and follow the website on Twitter at MLSMultiplex. Um, to check out stories as they come along. Uh, you can also visit us on Twitter, myself at underscore Drew Hubbard, Connor at CWG Somerville, and Josh at Josh underscore Boland to hear our tweets about MLS things, NFL things, NHL things, as Connor's Leafs are playing right now. So be sure to visit us on Twitter and please leave a review on the podcast. We love hearing how we can improve. So we'd love hearing from you guys. So please leave a review on the podcast. Yeah, thanks again so much for listening. Uh, Be sure to tune in next week because, like Connor said, I'm sure the news is breaking as I speak, so we'll have plenty to talk about next week. So please be sure to tune in next week, and thank you guys so much again for listening, and we will see you all soon. Thank you for listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast. Check out all of the contributors' written work at MLSMultiplex.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.